Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. I'm excited. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seller Roundtable. We are here. I just Amy is here today. Andy is is um, had some stuff come up, so he will be here next week, and we'll miss him dearly. <laughs> Normally, he starts this announcement. We're on episode number ninety-eight, and we're here today with the incredible. She needs no introduction, Miss Melissa Simonson. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very, very excited to be on your podcast. Yay. <laughs> I know. I was just asking Melissa before we hit the recorded button. I was like, what, haven't you been on my podcast before? <laughs> You've had to have been on my podcast before. And so, and she hasn't. So it's awesome that we have her here on the Seller Roundtable. Um, well, welcome, Melissa. And why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you and your story? So how did you get started in e-commerce? Um, well, I mean, geez, I've told this story like from a, a bunch of different angles. So, um, and I feel like it's because each time I, I talk about me, I want it to be like interesting. <laughs> you know, I don't want people to just, you know, have to have to hear the same old story. So um, I think that if I'm being the most accurate, then it would be accurate to say that um, Steve, my oldest brother, got me into e-commerce. And he actually had his first shopping cart sale online in 1998. And when I was 15-ish, I worked for his company. He had like 30 employees. Um, he had an online flooring store and also sold many other things online. And this is back when Amazon came courting you know, online stores and said, you know, hey, you should sell stuff on our, our platform too. We could sell more than books. <laughs> so this is like way back in the day. And at that time we had to have like a whole basement full of programmers. It was like, you know, managing the website. You couldn't just pop up a Shopify store and in an afternoon and call it a day. Um, you, you had to have some serious money and investment and all kinds of stuff in, in your website and your, um, your listings and stuff. And I had to know HTML so that I could change the product listings and stuff. Oh so, my gosh, I can't even imagine. Like, I love the visual builders of today, don't you? I mean, they make yeah. it so oh much God. easier to use. So you learned HTML. It's basically, you got started helping your brother, Steve, which right. most yeah. of us have heard of Steve. He's a great guy and has a ton of experience. And then yeah. what happened? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, then, you know, I was a teenager and so I would work for him in the summers. And then, um, I think when I was 18, um, I, um, I carried on, so I was working uh, remotely. And so I did that for a while. Um, but you know, I had a few opportunities present, um, you know, at that time that I couldn't say no to. So I, I moved on and away from e-commerce a little bit and had normal jobs for a little while. Um, I was married at 18, uh, very young and, um, and then, you know, I just kind of did normal stuff. And then, um, you know, after being married for many years and then the birth of my second son, actually the birth of my first son, um, we got really behind on bills. So, you know, fast forwarding now seven, eight years, I think, uh, before I had my first son after being married and we got really behind on bills and I had been laid off because 
when I um, found out I was pregnant, that's when they laid off like my entire department. Oh, that's <laughs> convenient, so, right? That was not great. It's not my favorite moment. <laughs> I was like, good timing. That's awesome. Um, so then, you know, I realized um, this is going to be really tricky to get hired. I'd never had trouble getting hired before. You know, I, um, I felt like I did fairly well in interviews. I applied for jobs I felt overqualified for and skilled at. Um, but in this case, I could not get anyone to hire me because they knew I'd be taking leave within a few weeks, you know, of, um, of getting hired. And that was really tough because, you know, I felt like I was, I was leaving my fate in other people's hands and I did not like that feeling. Like it was just the worst. <laughs> and I wanted to be in control of my own fate. And, you know, I had made a promise to my son when he was born. I did this for both of my boys, but at the time I just had the one. And I promised him on his first day of living that I would make sure he always had everything he needed and I would teach him to work for everything he wanted. And I felt like I was failing him right then because I couldn't get hired. I couldn't pay for stuff. I, you know, I was worried about rent and then our power gets shut off. And that moment for me was like, I'm done waiting for other people to help me with this. I'm, I'm done trying to wait for someone to rescue me out of this. You know, I, I couldn't rely on my um, partner at the time to help out with that. And so I just stopped waiting and I put an ad on Craigslist um, for a cleaning business. And um, I got a call that day and I went and cleaned a house that day and I came home with like 150 bucks or something like that. Use that to buy more um, products, put up more free ads because free marketing is best. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of paying for marketing if I can help it. So um, yeah, I, and that turned into a business that I ran for about five years, supported me and my family um, and, you know, nice home and things like that. And, um, and then it was sort of through that transition um, of, you know, then I was getting a divorce and some other things in my personal life started to spill over into my business. And that's a really tricky situation, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, yeah, it's it's hard to keep it's, those things. It's separate hard when... enough to run a business, you yeah. know. And you know, it's funny because Amazing at Home became this. We just used the domain name, right? Because I own the domain name, but it actually became really real because so many of us start our businesses at home. Yeah, at home comes along with our children and our marriages yeah. and all the things that go along with it. And even if yeah. you have an office, you're if you're a business owner you're working and you're working from home wherever you are, right? right? Like, and so it's, it is, it's very, it's a personal thing, you know, yeah. to own a business. And I can, I can definitely understand that, you yeah. know. Yeah, really, I mean, separate. You, you pour your heart and soul into something. And so when, you know, your personal life is, you know, out of balance, um, there's no way for that to not spill over. Um, I, or at least I haven't discovered how, and I thought it was fine, by the way, let's be clear on this. I was fine. Of course. <laughs> I just didn't realize it was actually funny. My mom said to me one day, um, she asked me a question about something and, um, I just waved it away. I was like, I can't worry about that right now. I'll think about that tomorrow. And she was like, who are you and where's my daughter? Because that has never been the way I approach anything. It's always like, let's do it now because then I won't have to worry about it later. Um, and that's just how I like to operate. But that, I, I every little thing at that time was too much. And so, um, so 
that's when, you know, I kind of was going through some stuff and um, I stepped away from my business, got a regular job. I am not a fan of that. And as it turns out, I'm not a good employee anymore. <laughs> I don't like being places on time. I don't like being stuck in one seat. I might not move for nine or 10 hours from my computer, but if I have to be there, that's a huge problem. <laughs> yes, right? Yes, I, I'm absolutely with you. There was a point when I, and, and all of us reach a point when we leave our jobs and we go into business. And at this point, you had already left your job and started yeah. your own business. So to go back to that, but yeah. I remember distinctly, like I was driving in my car one day and I just realized like that I had reached the point of, oh my gosh, I can never go back yeah. again for someone else. Like I'm past that point now. And so you were, you were already there, huh? Yeah. Oh, I was so there. And I didn't even know. I was just like, you know, I, I was again in the interview, I was like, this is going to be great because I have experience as, you know, an owner of a business. I know what it means to like invest in, in your business and, and really take care of your customers and stuff like that. And knowing that gives me an advantage here um, because I know what is at stake for you guys. And, you know, a typical employee doesn't know that, but I was like, also though, I don't want to sit here for eight hours. So that's going to be a problem. <laughs> so anyway, that didn't work out as well as I was hoping, but I did learn something about myself. And now I know the kinds of jobs that I excel at <laughs> and, and the kinds of, uh, you know, the flexibility that I need and, you know, right. stuff like that. I had never for the entire life of my kids had a job where someone else was the boss uh, until that moment. And so that was, you know, not being able to, to pause what I'm doing, run over to the daycare or something like that and, or, you know, bring, you know, their show and tell, whatever it is, I've, I've always been able to do that. And it was so awful to, to leave it in someone else's hands, like whether I could run home and grab something or whatever, like that lack mm. of freedom is no, no deal for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think so. it also influences how we treat our own team because yes. I know, you know, for me, everybody who works on my team, I try to be really flexible with them. You know, of, of course, there's needs to be flexibility on both sides because they're working for a business that is constantly changing, constantly growing, you know, all the time we're doing new things and, you know, they've got to be flexible. But I think that's also a really good lesson for us business owners. You know, imagine if you had to go back and work a job now, like, what kind of boss would you want to be? What kind of boss would you want to have? And so I try to always be super flexible. Like I let my folks work from home a couple of days a week if they want to. And, you know, as long as we got everything on track and, you know, there's that level of trust, it's like, why not? Like I want them to have the, to be happy here and to, you know, to, to want to continue to help me grow, you know, (laughs) they need to believe in that mission. And so I think that's something that all of us business owners can learn about hiring our employees. Well, and I I think it's good for management, but it's also good just on a human level to know like you can be really bad at something and like have eyes on you watching you fail and flail and just do terribly. And you can buy into that or you can look elsewhere for your strengths because it's obviously not there. You know, you could have someone who's very, very talented. And I I consider myself talented in in a few different respects, not things still, (laughs) but in a few different things. But if I had just bought into other people's opinions of me or 
you know, something like that. And instead of, you know, turning to a strength and leaving that weakness behind, that would have really um, crippled me for a while. You know, that, that would have been hard to move past. And I probably, you know, easily could have accepted some other position and just called myself a failure and just stayed mediocre, you know, and that would have been such a shame. So, yeah, I love that. So you decide you're not a very good employee <laughs> and then what happens? <laughs> so, um, so after a while, uh, so I started doing some things to get some streams of income. Um, that, you know, so I was working for myself again. I was doing some freelancing. I was um, doing some remote work stuff. Um, even transcriptions, like all kinds of stuff I could do for my house and have that flexibility back. Um, and then Steve contacted me about Empowery. So at this time, it was just an idea. Nobody, you know, there was um, no firm plan um, or even a, a specific date of release or announcement or anything like that. Um, it was an idea they had kicked around at Steve's Mastermind. And they said, you know, this would be better if we could put this on a, a larger scale and if we could have you know, a world full of entrepreneurs that were connected instead of just one mastermind so that all the masterminds come together, all of the entrepreneurs come together. And then we have one voice for all. And it was such a beautiful idea. He contacted me to see if I was available, if I would be interested. And I loved it. I was down from the moment he talked to me about it. I was very excited because it's such a beautiful thing to add to the world. And it is also something I realized that I needed, um, you know, through that uh, job experience. I need to believe in what I'm doing. I need to be passionate about it because I can't just do work and be yeah. fine. I need to, I need to live. Work is such a huge part of your life, especially as an entrepreneur, you need to love what you do or you're, you're just hating a huge chunk of your life. So, um, so that was a really big deal to me. And so now being able to, um, you know, I consult my time, so it's still my business. I'm still able to be flexible, um, but working for Empowery uh, for the majority of it is, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. <laughs> Love that. So, let, I mean, the beautiful thing about Empowery, for those of you, you who have never heard of Empowery, you can go to their website and check it out, but it's basically a meeting of many different entrepreneurs and um, in the e-commerce space and um, they have vetted services and everything and it's a non non-for-profit right so yeah. um, you can get involved for you know very little and no money in some cases and they do lots of events um, and you know it's a really great thing so definitely um, check that out. So, um, you know, obviously there's, it's good in this space to know that there's people that you can trust because there are, I think in, in all spaces, it's good to know that there's people you can trust because, yeah. uh, you know, there's always, whenever there's money to be made, there's also people willing to take your money and, oh, yeah. you know, set you up on, on a bad path. So it's awesome to have uh, trusted services like Empowery. Very good. So let's talk about specifically, let's talk about marketing. So okay. tell us a little bit, like you were talking about free marketing. So what yeah. do you see as um, people trying to get started selling online, whether it's Amazon, whether it's eBay, whether it's, you know, what do you see as, I think marketing is one of the biggest struggles that people have, right? Because yeah. they'll list their product. And, you know, so what do you see as the core foundation for marketing? If people are wanting to get started selling online, they're wanting to get, 
get moving with a product-based business, whether they're selling their products or someone else's products, what do you see as kind of the core um, struggle and thing that people should learn to kind of their foundation that they should have? Um, I think I, I think that this is one of the biggest areas where reading is like your best friend because there's a ton of books out there on marketing. Um, there's some that are spectacular. And, and I feel like the ones that are the best uh, that speak to me and that I think are on point, they have an element of psychology to them, you know, of human behavior. And that's so key. Like there's one book, I, I don't even know that it's meant to be for marketing. It's called The Power of Habit. I talk about this book all the time because I can't get over how good it is. I went and read it after you mentioned it I, and, and I so loved good, it. Right? I thought it was really great. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one, it's called Contagious. It's about why things catch on, you know, what, what makes something go viral. So I think, I think that the first thing that people need to, you know, examine when they're looking at, you know, how to market, whether it's a product, whether it's their service, whether they're a life coach, it's, you know, I need to think about this differently. And, and part of that is, and I'm going to forget the name of this. There's a concept um, where you, whatever it is, uh, whatever your limit is, you tend to spend that much. If it's, you have this much time, you'll tend to spend that much time doing something. If it's, you have this much of a budget for money wise, you know, for your marketing or whatever, you'll tend to spend that much money. But if you, it's Parkinson's theory or something like that. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'll think of it later. Okay. Um, Not like you're on the spot or anything. I know. <laughs> Parkinson's law or something like that. We'll look it up. But anyway, um, it essentially means you are going to take as much as you are allotting for yourself. So I usually just say zero. What can I do with zero? And I do all of those things. And that is, it accomplishes quite a bit when, you know, it, it helps also that Empower is nonprofit. Um, and so we don't have a ton of overhead to work with anyway. Um, and in the beginning, especially the, it was being funded solely by Steve and, you know, the co-founder, that's how Empowery was surviving was just money was being fed in. And this is why this has not happened yet. This is why a co-op like this has not taken place yet because it's very expensive for the founders, you know, and, and it takes a while to get where it's supporting itself. Right. So um, anyway, with this being a nonprofit, I just assumed I had little or no budget. And so I started to pay attention to the kinds of things that were working when we were, you know, going to events and, you know, we're networking and we're talking with people all of a sudden now Empower was becoming a little bit more known. And when one time I forgot uh, to send like a notification or an email to members. And so I did a quick Facebook live. Hey guys, you know, just wanted to let you know, this is on Monday. It's now Friday. Sorry, I didn't give you more notice, blah, blah, blah. But what happened was this, live did better than like 95% of all of my other posts I'd ever done. Um, so I was like, oh, geez. And I was very scared of like speaking in public and recording videos and all that stuff. It was terrifying to me. So I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I have to do more of this. <laughs> and, and it took me a while to actually get to where I could do that well. My earlier videos are not great. <laughs> yeah, Andy always talks about how when he was super uncomfortable with being live, um, he did a challenge where he forced himself to go live every day for 30 days. And it just 
you know what it just even even if you're just yeah. going online for five minutes to talk about something and i think that's so key especially for you know our audience is mostly private label some wholesale sellers um we do have some retail arbitragers as well but um but i think that's so key no matter what you're selling whether it's a product or a service start with zero like melissa yes. said you don't have to spend money on facebook ads. you're already on facebook yeah go find your people i think the core foundation is you know like i love what grant cardone says fine i'm gonna go find my buyer where's my buyer right who yeah. has my money and it's it's There's already groups and stuff like that on facebook that have your target audience why are you let, get in those groups talk to those people they want to talk to you they want to know what you know you know? I think the scary thing is that people, they don't want to be salesy, right? Yeah. We've all grown up to like, kind of be afraid of, uh, we don't like the salesperson. We don't want to deal with the salesperson. You know, our parents didn't want to deal with the salesperson. So I think that's the thing that scares people the most yeah. is that, you know, they don't want to be that salesy person. But right. if you just go into it truly wanting to connect with an audience and truly wanting someone's feedback about your product or, um, or your service, I think that uh, if you go into it with the attitude of value first, you're always going to get value in return, right, from the customer. So I, I think that I love what you said about just starting with zero. Think about all the places that you could go online and do that top of funnel marketing where you can just tell people about it. Like when you said we had no budget for Empower e, but we wanted to tell people about it without yeah. being salesy or whatever, right? Just kind of, hey, get out there. And then you record this one video and you get all yeah. these views and so much more traction. And you're like, okay, well, that's working. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like really the formula do more of what works and less of what doesn't. It couldn't, it couldn't be more simple, you know? Yep. So you exactly, you double down on what works. Yep. It's the same thing with Amazon PPC, right? If we don't optimize it, if we just let that one keyword run away with all of our budget, well, then we're going to be disappointed and we're going to go, oh, that cost too much money and it didn't work. But yep. if we discover those little keywords that are converting for us and we put our money there and we take the money away from the stuff that's not working, suddenly we've optimized our ads, we've gotten in front of the right people and we're making more sales yep. profitably. So I love that. Start with zero. Okay. Got it. And, um, and what about, um, you know, and then double down on what's working. What are some of your favorite free forms of marketing? I mean, right now it's gotta be clubhouse. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's one of my favorite things. It's, it's nice to connect with people. Uh, you know, it's been such a desert of conversation this last year. And so to be able to just have a group of people that you have missed for at least a year uh, that you could just jump into conversation with and talk shop. Like that's a beautiful gift alone just by itself. But, you know, if you're being intentional, like we talked about on uh, the Wizards of Ecom podcast together, if you're being intentional and you are actually coming in with a system, tracking leads, you know, and you know, it's easy, you know, when I call it tracking leads, it makes it sound salesy and stuff. But really what I'm doing is I'm connecting with people while I'm on there and I'm following up with them to see if they could use more help, if there's anything else they need, if they got their question answered fully, you know, that's just being nice and kind, giving of my time and also trying to get something for the co-op in return as in a new member so we can continue to help entrepreneurs and increase the network that we have created so that we can have a louder voice, more leverage. 
And the key is really in the follow-up, right? It, yeah. it really yeah. is in the follow-up. It's like having somebody who visits your website and then you follow them with a Facebook ad after that yeah. and they see you everywhere, you know, because you've done that. So the key is always, or you get a, an email from someone or somebody's listening to you on Clubhouse and you follow up with them via Instagram message and say, hey, so great having you in our room. It was awesome to meet you. Is there anything else I can help you with? Yes. You're giving them value and they might have something that they need help with. And if yes. they don't, well, then that's okay too. At least, you know, the art is in the follow-up and, and you did that. So I yep. love that. So for those people who aren't aware of what Clubhouse is, this is something that's kind of new. It's like a new kind of social media platform where it's only available on iPhone right now, which is kind of uh, frustrating for our Android users. Um, I'm an Android user, you guys. Just so you know, here's my Samsung Note 20 that I use. So I actually, my little hack for Clubhouse is I put it on my iPad and that works right. just fine. And so, um, you know, but what it is, is it's like you're walking down a, a hallway in a college and all these interesting conversations are going on in these rooms. And you can go into any of those rooms and sit in the back of the room. And if you want to, you can see so you don't have to unmute your mic or anything like that. In fact, you won't even get the opportunity to unmute your mic unless you're on stage, as we call on stage in Clubhouse. So you would raise your hand. There's a little raise your hand icon and you can raise your hand and you can talk. So for those of you who are shy and are wanting to get your product or service out there and you're wanting to get into Facebook lives and stuff like that, Clubhouse is a great way to practice. Because, you know, you can get in some of these rooms, it could be super intimidating, but just raise your hand, <laughs> put, pop the little button, and you're not on video. It's yeah. just voice. So you don't have to worry about, you know, looking weird or fumbling or stumbling or whatever. And you can just talk. So uh, Clubhouse is a really great way to, to build an audience now. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.